SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Football Full Circle. Mike Blewett, George Gertz, right here on the grid. So, George, it's a big week in college football. Sort of negative. We'll talk about that with Joe Lisi in the second hour of the show. But uh, this first hour, a little positive news, particularly for George Kittle. George Kittle signs his extension with the 49ers. There was a lot of thought that they were far apart. But then, bam, right in the middle of the week, uh, we get an extension for George Kittle. And it is a five-year, $75 million extension that ties him to San Francisco for six years. He had in last year left in his deal. They could have done anything related to franchise tags and everything else. But to get this deal done, George, $40 million guaranteed overall, twice that of any other tight end, $30 million guaranteed day one, $12 million more than the previous tight end high of Austin Hooper's $18 million, which just happened five months ago. So... Thoughts on this deal in general, and do you think it's a solid move for the Niners? I think it's a solid move all around. I'm sure the Niners think it's a little too high. It's a 41% increase over the next highest tight end coming into coming into the deal. So I'm sure they think it's a little high. But Kittle, I mean, Mike, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, starting quarterback we all feel average at best, right? Yeah. You have a running game that really is more Shanahan than anything else. Mostert, Coleman, McKinnon, Wilson. I mean— it's, you know, there's no Barkley's there. There's no McCaffrey there. No Zeke Elliott. You have wide receiver core: Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne. We'll see what the rookie IU can do. Trent Taylor. That's not special. I mean, without Kittle, this offense doesn't move. It just doesn't move. He is your playmaker. He is your number one guy that you have to have, game in, game out. I certainly think he deserved it. I don't think anybody could argue that. Uh, I, you could even argue he should have gotten more money. He did want to be paid as a wide receiver, which. I guess you could say he is. He's not being paid as a top wide receiver. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's up around $18, $20 million, But he's right. being paid as a solid wide receiver. You know, and Once again, these prices are only going to get higher and higher here. But I think it's a good deal all around here and one that San Fran had to do. Yeah. I think you're a little harsh on Debo Samuel, to be fair. But he's hurt right now. So that's uh, another discussion altogether. So uh, average – well, let, let me get into a couple of things here. First of all, Field Yates tweeted out a bunch of stats related to – to George Kittle, I think it's important to note how successful he's been. More receiving yards than any tight end in NFL history through three seasons, 2,945. The most catches by a tight end through three seasons, 219. The most receiving yards in a single season by a tight end ever, 1,377, and is the best blocking tight end in football. So it was his time. Uh, it turns out Travis Kelsey might be working on extension as well, but let's focus on Kittle uh, here for the moment. So... Uh, I thought earlier, when, when the extension was announced earlier this week, I put out a tweet talking about how a strong numbers. But when you look at his extension of $75 million, $40 million fully guaranteed, uh, $40 million guaranteed, $30 million fully guaranteed, and then compare it to Amari Cooper, which is $160 and $40, that's really the comparison I wanted to make because of what you talk about, George. He was very careful. He and his agent were very careful careful to label him as an overall offensive weapon, a pass catcher, not just a tight end. So he moved the position forward this week in terms of 
getting more money potentially for tight ends, but he didn't bridge the gap quite that much between him and some other wide receivers. If you uh, referencing over the cap here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven wide receivers make an average annual value of more than fifteen million dollars. Jones, Cooper, Mike Thomas, A.J. Green, Odell, Tyreek, uh, Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry. So that's where he lands. And what's good, you could certainly make the argument that he deserves to be above probably close to half those guys. You know, some of those guys are getting paid for things they haven't done really in a couple of years. Landry's never been that kind of player. Beckham has been quiet now. And Cooks is blah. You know, so he should certainly be paid more than those guys. Thielen's closed. Let's see what he does now without Diggs. That's right. When he's now the number one guy, there's no one else there for him either. All right? You got no Diggs. Your tight end, Rudolph, is nothing special there. The running game is, which will force the uh, the safety to play close there. But let's see what happens here. Like I said, I think if you're guarding the 49ers on defense, I want my be- I, I would put my best cornerback on Kittle. You know, once again, I want, I want to I want to force anybody else. You like Debo Samuel more than I do, obviously. I don't hate the man. I just don't think he's all that great. But I want to force him to beat me. You know, I don't want I don't want Kittle beating me. Yeah, you know, I just don't want it. He seems to be also the spark plug in that offense. When he gets going, that entire offense gets going. Yeah. He's that kind of player here, which is every every thought team process that Jamal Adams is here because in Seattle rather because of George Kittle. Maybe is Adams the greatest cover uh, safety? No. Right. That's not really what he does. So uh I think that uh it would make sense if Adams was that kind of player. If he was that kind of cover guy who could eliminate a say uh, a tight end, sure. But I don't think that's what Adams does well. He's more of a uh, hitter, get the quarterback type. So uh, I said I don't know the, if, if that solves that problem there. But Kittle's dangerous. I think he's extremely dangerous. One of the best tight ends in the game. He's right up there with Kelsey. Right? I mean, they're both fantastic. They're both. Uh, they're like they are offensive weapons. But they're not the tight ends that we're used to. Although Kittle probably is built wise more like a traditional tight end. Kelsey really tweener. And then neither one's Shannon Sharp, who really was a wide receiver playing tight end. Yeah, but they are they are weapons that need to be accounted for, and generally they are mismatches no matter who goes up against them. Yeah, welcoming in our radio audience as we close out talking about uh, George Kittle. Uh, so I think that's where they're at. They they are in a position not dissimilar to the Chiefs, where they're doing their best to keep their key players around. The Chiefs are working on a five year extension for Kelsey on the heels of this five year extension for Kittle. Uh, you saw the Chiefs keeping some of their key players, obviously Mahomes, Chris Jones, and others that they're trying to keep in the fold. Niners trying to do the same. Uh, I see regression ahead for them, as do you. But when you look top to bottom, this team's still really good. They lose to Forrest Buckner, but they kept a lot of other pieces. Yeah, they're a dangerous team. I said the 49ers certainly a playoff team again this year, but it's more defense than offense. Yeah, we're going to come back. We'll talk about... Georgia's team and Everson Griffin, a huge addition. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the grid, football full circle. Find us on Twitter at SportsGrid, on Instagram at SportsGridTV. Find George at George Kurtz on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lewis on Twitter. So uh, hate mail goes to George. He had a one week off, but back to sending him all the nastiness. So um, big move this week for the Cowboys. I give your team, George, a lot of credit. 
According to Ian Rappaport right here, the Seahawks and Vikings went back and forth for pass rusher Everson Griffin while the Cowboys quietly went to work. Out of nowhere, they had a key cog in their defense, Griffin to Dallas. So Everson Griffin, George, a guy that he's had a really interesting career. It's been productive. He obviously had some uh, health slash off-field issues in the middle of his career that people thought might derail it. But he's come back and extended his career. He had signed an extension with Minnesota, uh, opted out of that extension. It was unlikely that they were going to keep him for the amount of money that he was on the books for. But now Dallas has him just one year, $6 million. Yeah, you can see the Cowboys' philosophy here. Uh, you mentioned one year, $6 million, so it's not going to hinder him in the cap in the future, no matter what happens next year, if it goes down to one seventy-five, whatever it might be. Dallas, the weakness on this team is the secondary. Right, a lot of young secondary players. You know, your cornerbacks are Awuzi, Trevin Diggs, uh, a rookie draft pick. We'll see how that works out. Uh, safeties are Ha Clinton Dix, Xavier Woods. It's not scaring anybody. Well, if you don't have good coverage, people, you better get to the quarterback. Right, you better make sure that quarterback doesn't have three, three point five, four seconds to throw the ball. Now you get to Marcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, Everson Griffin. I mean, three quarters of that is new, Mike. Three quarters yeah. of that is new. Only Lawrence returns from last year. And you got Alden Smith there. We'll see what happens with Alden. He's another guy to get to the quarterback. Tristan Hill, the second-round pick from last year, he looks like a bust. But uh, Antoine Woods, Neville Gallimore, people like this well. The Cowboys now have a, a really good front seven. I mean, they have a really good front seven that's can do different things. They can rotate them to keep everybody fresh. They can have guys who, who can get to the quarterback from all different positions, right end, left end, up the middle. You want to blitz from the linebackers, you can do that. The weakness is going to be the secondary. You can see what the Cowboys want to do. I mean, it's pretty simple to see what the Cowboys want to do. Get to the quarterback, harass them, don't give them time back there to look yeah. down the field and find these guys breaking open here. And with this move, the first thing that, that I thought as well is Cowboys are going for it. They're going for it here. They know they're going to have cap so. problems next year, but they're, they're going for broke. I'm going for broke is probably too harsh here, but I think they see an opening. Yeah. But again, this is such a low risk signing. I, I'm surprised at that number that there weren't potentially more teams in on it. Uh, I, as you said, people are trying to manage the cap, but with some of the teams that had players opt out, might have had a little bit of money to play with. Adding a pass rusher like that, even if he's rotational at this point, in his, even if he was rotational, which could play a lot of snaps, but even if he was rotational, he would be interesting. As you can see here uh, on the screen, Pro Football Focus career pass rush grades for a new and improved Cowboys DL. Gerald McCoy, 90.8. Demarcus Lawrence slash Alden Smith at 90. Everson Griffin, 82. Tyron Crawford, Randy Gregory. I just think that their approach to adding a lot of pieces on the defensive line is the way to go. We've seen this be very impactful in the past. It doesn't mean you have to have four Von Millers, right? You can have a bunch of guys that can be effective for 35, 40 snaps, George, and really have an impact on the game. Yeah, they can rotate. They don't have to worry about anybody playing 65, 70 snaps. They can rotate all these guys. They have depth at all positions here, on the line here. I said, this is assuming Greg. I mean, if Randy Gregory does get reinstated, which is an if right now, I think he does, but I think it's an if, yeah. the Cowboys might have to let somebody go who's actually pretty good because they're not going to keep all these guys on the line. You're yeah. not going to keep Lawrence Gregory – Bradley Gane, the uh, draft pick, McCoy, Woods, Poe, Hill, Griffin, Crawford, Alden Smith. That's nine. You're probably not keeping nine. You know, generally you keep around seven. Somewhere around there, you're not going to be able to sneak out. I mean, 
I don't think they're going to be able to sneak anybody onto the practice squad if that's what you're going to try and do there. So no. the Cowboys are very likely going to put somebody pretty good on the waiver wire once cuts happen yet. Maybe it's Gregory. Maybe they'll give up on him. Jerry Jones, I doubt it. But last year's second-round pick, who was a complete bust last year, Tristan Hill, Hill, he would seem to be that guy, Mike. You could practice squad him, but somebody can obviously sign him immediately, and I'm sure they would. Obviously, they don't have to make any decisions yet. They've got weeks before they have to make any of this decision. Obviously, things can happen between now and then. If somebody gets hurt, then you have the depth, the necessary depth. But top to bottom, uh, that's as good as you're going to get. We've talked about the Cowboys a bunch, obviously, this offseason. Their odds currently sit at the sixth shortest odds to win the Super Bowl, George, behind the Chiefs, Ravens, Niners, Saints, and Bucks uh, at plus 1,700. Um, you're saying they're sort of going for broke. Uh, they've obviously added a new coach. You look up and down the roster, good pieces all around, even with a couple of the losses like Jones and Frederick to free agency retirement. Are you starting to feel good? You feel like the ball is rolling in the right direction, or you're sort of like, I don't know if Dak can win big games, and I don't know if McCarthy's going to work. Where are you at on this? Well, you just, you just hit it. And the fact that Dak has not been able to win big games, that's still a problem now, isn't it? If you want to go deep in the playoffs, you have to win big games. The NFC is loaded. Philadelphia is still a good team. Yeah. I think Dallas is better. But Philadelphia, they're not that much better than Philadelphia. You know, New Orleans is a good team. Tampa Bay looks to be a good team. We all know the NFC West is a nightmare. Right? Niners, good team. Seahawks, good team. I think the Cowboys are right there with with them. You know, sixth best. I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, they're right there. They'll be competitive, but until Dak proves, this is one of the things, Dak has to prove it. You have to prove you can win big games, right? You can't go one and seven against playoff teams with your numbers falling apart throughout. Every number you have fell apart. Now, it's not just all Dak, by the way. I mean, Amari Cooper didn't show up in a game or two last year, too, in a big game where he disappeared. Ezekiel Elliott didn't show up, right? And that happened more than once. So it's not just Dak. Maybe it's the team as a whole that can't play big games. Maybe that's on Jason Garrett. If Amy McCarthy brings out the good, you know, the Cowboys showing up the best in big games. But as a Cowboy fan, they were pretty easy to see. Against bad teams, they're going to kick your butt up and down the field, score 40 points. But against good teams, they didn't look good. So they, they have didn't yeah. look good. So they have an interesting. And I, we have our doubts, I guess, about Mike McCarthy, but they have an interesting fallback position here, right? We know they're going to try and win on defense with their front seven. You look at the defensive backfield, it's not impressive, right? They just drafted Trevon Diggs, but the starting defensive backfield is just not impressive when, compared to other teams, right? Anthony Brown, Xavier Woods, Clinton, ha Clinton Dix, his fourth team maybe, uh, Awuzie and Jordan Lewis. You bring Diggs in there, a bunch of other pieces, whatever. They're going to try and win with their front seven. And if Van Der Esch can be as good as he was as a rookie and Jalen Smith continues his good play, then add it to the all-defensive linemen, that's a way to win. They also have a way to combat you offensively, obviously, with the amount of pieces that they have and adding you know, Connor Williams with another year of experience with Martin Collins and, and, and Smith. It's a strong offensive line. So they have the ability to keep the good quarterbacks off the field, potentially, if they want to play that way. But that was really my question for you, is you're going to be concerned when they play some of the better quarterbacks who could potentially pick them apart. I hate to pick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but they are a team with a good offensive line and obviously a great quarterback. They would have matchup issues there if those teams can protect the QB. Uh, 
they'll get picked apart. But when you look down the list, they got Matt, they got Goff, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. That'll be a tough test for them, right? Uh, Baker, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, my future MVP. Uh, Washington football team, so Haskins. You got Wentz in there a couple of times. Obviously, they're going to play Ben, Cousins, Lamar, jeez, Jimmy G. So they have some good quarterbacks on that list. They'll be challenged in those games, I think, based on the way the team is built. Yeah, but all those quarterbacks are not cool that are going to challenge you. Lamar Jackson doesn't challenge the secondary. That's true. Not really, that's not really what he does. Golf, no one's afraid of golf. Yeah, you're uh, worried about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, of course, but everybody's worried about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Russell Smith Wilson, not much you can do there. I don't think if Baker May- if Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield and Haskins, if they're scaring you, well, then you have a problem. Oh, I agree. You, you just have a problem there. I think, I think what the Cowboys want to do is this. Mike McCarthy, we know he likes to throw the football. We know he likes to put up points. Granted, he's never had a running back like Zeke. I don't know if he'll change. But I think the Cowboys want to say, you know what? We're putting up points. We're going to make you one-dimensional. And that dimension is going to – you're going to have to throw the football to keep up with us, try and score points, and we can rush the passer. You know, we're going to hit that quarterback of yours. You know, we're going to score 10 points real quick, and we're going to make you one-dimensional for the next three or two and a half quarters. Good luck. Sort of a mini version of what the Chiefs do. Play away from their strengths with Zeke, though. I'll just go by McCarthy's history. Yeah. yeah, true. All right, we're going to come back. We'll talk about some other things. Buffalo Bills giving an extension to their head coach. Extensions all around. It's extension week. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the grid football full circle. And we're talking about the Buffalo Bills handing on an extension to their head coach, Sean McDermott, George, a uh, pretty good deal for this guy. He gets a multi-year contract extension and the Bills seem to really be in love with their head coach, Terry and Kim Pagula quoted here. His Sean's leadership on and off the field has been nothing but genuine and transparent qualities. We appreciate as owners. He is the same great person to us, the players and everyone across all organizations Anyway, they're being effusive with this praise. He's just named head coach three years ago, George. Two playoff appearances under his belt. They hadn't been to the playoffs in almost 20 years. Um, third coach in Bill's history to earn a playoff spot in his first season. Uh, and from 2018 and 2019, the Bills uh, gave up the fewest number of yards in the NFL while allowing the fourth lowest point total. Bills allowed 259 points in 2019, which marked their team's fewest since 1999. This team is built through defense. I've said many times, I'm not sure if this is going to work because Josh Allen is the question mark. But it is, I think, an example of a team being really committed to the way that they're being built. I've said it on here a number of times. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, they're on the same page. They're acquiring the types of players that they like, that fit their system. And they're successful at it. This defense, on paper, best defense in the league. We'll see if they play like it. I can't argue with you. I like everything you said. McDermott deserves the extension. What he's done with this team, I think, has been fantastic. This team goes as far as Josh Allen can take them. And what I mean by that is the defense is, I said, on paper, best defense in the league. 
they've made the improvements. You add Stephon Diggs to the wide receiving core. I mean, the wide receiving core was better than I expected last year anyway, just with Brown and Beasley. And now you add Diggs, a legitimate guy there. All right? Singletary, you draft Moss. you got plenty of backups there. Yeldon Jones. Depth is there. Tight end? You know, Knox is not a bad tight end. He's not anywhere near George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, but he's not horrendous either. He's just, he's a guy. He's a guy there, but sometimes that's fine. You don't have, you don't have a, a black hole there, an obvious zero there. So that's fine. Uh, Josh Allen is the question mark. If he, and Mike, when I say it, it, it all comes down to him, they don't need him to be Drew Brees, you know, Tom Brady, someone like that. Just take positive steps. A positive step might be maturity. Just not doing stupid things. They need him to be Jimmy G minus that fourth quarter. That's what he needs to be. Yes, that, that's a fine win the comparison. Super Bowl. That's a fine comparison. Don't don't lose the game. Don't be idiot and don't make. Like I said Jimmy G. Not like he lost the game, but he just always had to stop completing passes. Well, I might say he lost the game. That game was in their hands, and he didn't play he well. He stopped. I mean, but he didn't throw. He didn't throw interceptions or fumble football. He just stopped. His accuracy just went out the window. Maybe nerves got to him. I don't know what happened with Jimmy G, but Josh Allen does more silly things. You know, it's like throwing the ball backwards. You know, yeah, it was insane. It's it was an that insane situation. What that, what happened that, with it? That can't happen. He's done yeah. stuff like that before. And you're a running quarterback, which is fine. Slide, slide. Yeah. Don't take the hits that put you out of the games. Hence the New England game stuff like that. Get down. You know, unless you have to get that first down. It's in the fourth quarter and you need that extra yard. Generally, there's no reason to fight for it. Slide. Get down. You know, he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. Yeah, and, you know, people sort of would hate when we just take broad positions like what I'm about to say because there isn't a statistic for it, and that's the nature of what we do in fantasy and, and wagering. But there's really only one question that ever needs to be answered about a quarterback, and it's can you win the Super Bowl with him? Can you win the Super Bowl with him? Is he good enough to win the Super Bowl? Unfortunately, you have guys like Matt Ryan, who won the MVP and was effectively inches away from winning the Super Bowl, and he sort of still can't answer it, which is why people kind of pile on Matt Ryan, right? The, 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 he still has his detractors. Um, Jimmy G will have those detractors until he can get over the mountain, uh, on the other side of the goal line, or, or on the mountaintop, however you want it, whatever stupid... Uh, <laughs> simile or whatever you want me to phrase, uh, that's where we're at with him. Well, when uh, it comes, when it comes, and Josh to Allen's Ryan, gonna have the same question. Yeah, you're right. That, that's it's kind of idiotic or silly how the NFL that's all we judge how many quarterbacks, you know. I mean, come on, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, he wasn't great, folks. He's very bad, actually. Uh, it's kind of silly to me. Matt Ryan, okay, he didn't win one, but it wasn't his fault they lost. We all know whose fault that was. All right, so I mean, that's, he should he should have a ring on his finger. He definitely should, but uh, you know, coaching cup becomes a part of this as well. Here, is Josh Allen good enough? On most teams, probably not. He's probably not not right now, not as the player he is right now. But with the surrounding talent he has, he might be. Problem is, you, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, you know they're going to outplay him, right? And any, Matt, Pat Mahomes is going to outplay anybody, but you know they're going to outplay, which means that defense has to play. Very well. There we pressure on Josh Allen. They would meet each other in a divisional playoffs or the championship game, where yeah, your defense can probably stop Kansas City from scoring 40, but maybe Kansas City, KC only scores 27. Can you score 27? Can you score 28? Can you win that game? Can you go on that fourth quarter drive, that last uh, two-minute drive, to go get a touchdown to beat that kind of team? 
if your defense keeps you in the game. That's what remains to be seen from Josh Allen. I think, listen, I'd be shocked if the Bills don't win the AFC East. I mean, shocked. You know, I think they, I don't want to say they have it wrapped up, but New England's a mess. So many ball opt-outs there. I don't know what Cam Newton can do anymore. Jets are, they're playing for a draft pick next year. They've pretty much proven that. Miami may be sort of a wild card team, but even if things go their way, I don't see them challenging Buffalo for the title. So I think Buffalo really, you know, I, the joke I used to make about New England every year where their next important game's in January. For Buffalo, that might be it too, where they really don't have a, a, a big test until they come to the playoffs, until they play a big team here. We'll see what they can do in bigger games here. I think, I think the regular season's going to be kind of easy for Buffalo. What's interesting about what you're saying is Buffalo's still at an 8.5 win total, and the Pats are at 9.5. That's nuts. So it's it's currently minus 160 under to the Pats, which is some of the most juice on the board. You see, you're starting to hear positive stories about Cam Newton, but I think Cam Newton can play well. It doesn't mean that they're going to win 11 games, you know. Um, I don't know if I'd bet them under, but it's it's not going to be an easy to, to try to get to 10 I'll take for, the under. for New England. They're not, New England's not winning 10 games. All right, I like it. There's like no it. way they're winning. I mean, come on. I just don't but I can't see, see Buffalo losing losing more than seven, right? They're going to get to nine. I'm looking at the schedule They got to 11 now. last year. I mean, their first couple of games are Jets, Miami, Rams, Raiders, Tennessee. You get the Chiefs in week six, but that's at, uh, that's at home on that Thursday night game. That's a major advantage there. Then you get the Jets, Patriots. You get Seattle, once again, at home. Cardinals on the road, Niners on the road, Pittsburgh at home. I could see them losing five games, sure. But even that's a stretch. They don't have, they're not playing five tough opponents here. Yeah. So uh, I, I said I, I have New, uh, New England under, Bills over. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I just think that uh, one other piece of news related to them, by the way, and I, I sort of buried this while we were talking, but that's not a massive signing in terms of NFL fans, but they signed D, standout left tackle Deion Dawkins and the Bills reached a four-year, $60 million contract extension. So he's Josh Allen's blindside protector through the 2024 season, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. So, and it's, it goes back to what I said at the very beginning. They really are building this team in their image, as I welcome in our radio audience, which I should have done eight minutes ago. But uh, thanks for listening to this segment. I, I, I really think more teams, and I don't, uh, it's difficult to quantify at times, but Really having these two guys, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, that have worked together all this time, they just came in, executed a plan, and like within three years, people are like, hey, they could win the Super Bowl. We're talking, look at how we're talking about them. Three years ago, the Bills were a laughing stock. They hadn't been in the playoffs longer than any other team, including the Browns, the Lions, the Bengals. Keep naming them. That's where they were at three years ago. What, what McDermott has done here with the Bills has to infuriate some teams. Where he was able to turn this around, and you mentioned three years, but now they're a contender. You know, and really, in, in most normal times, they might even be a, a Super Bowl contender. They're probably not here because you have two great teams in your conference. You put them in the NFC, things might be a little different here. So uh, it's just funny how this works out here. But if you're the Bengals, I understand part of it's the organization that they run. They don't hire the right people. But you haven't been contender in 30 years, 20 years. You know, it's been dismal. Yeah, you're seeing this another team do this. You know, so it's gotta be frustrating frustrating organizations like this. The Jets, they've had hits in, you know, under under Ryan. They went to the AFC championship game once there. Uh, but still to see things go off the rails over and over again, yet see a team like this that it's not only on the 
uh, the Rails, but it looks like they're going to be around for a while. Yeah. This does not look like a team that's, you know, one year and done. It looks like they're going to be dangerous for quite a few years here. Yeah, they do have. They did add some older pieces, right? That are veteran guys for McDermott, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler. Those are guys that are veterans. They may not be here for the long haul, but they're here for a run. You talked about Dallas uh, potentially going for broke. The Bills are sort of in that mode now, with obviously the huge question mark. What if Allen? pulls a Trubisky, what if like this year he has the Mitch Trubisky year that happened last year, then what? That's always the hardest problem, right? When you have a young quarterback who hasn't quite hit it yet. You think he will, but he hasn't quite hit it yet. It's third season. He's played a lot. When do you pull the plug? He wasn't bad last year. He wasn't bad last year. No, I'm not saying he was. So, I mean, if he were to, you know, not work out this year, you'd have, it'd be a tough decision, but maybe a little easier in the fact that even a bad year by Allen, I still think they make the playoffs. So you're not getting a top 10 pick. Yeah. It's not like you're going to have a quarterback staring at you. I don't know if this will be a year where you know, Jordan Love is there in the 20s. I don't know. Maybe. We've seen weird things happen. Lord knows what's going on in college. That'll segue for you for the next hour. Yeah. Uh, and what's going on in college here and who's going to play, who's not going to play, when the college season is going to happen, fall, spring, never. Who's going to play? Maybe the next year's draft is going to be wicked, to say the least, of what's going to happen here about what kind of judgments can be made. It makes my head hurt. Yeah, we, got, we should probably talk about that in the next segment um, in terms of what they're going to do for the draft, potentially. Um, will they move it back? We can talk about that uh, after the break. But uh, George and I will come back. We got, we've got that topic to discuss. We can talk about a little bit about Kyler Murray, uh, some discussion about out in Arizona, about could he have three 1,000-yard receivers? Is that bad for fantasy owners? Uh, we can talk about that as well. So George and I will come back right after this. On the grid, it's FFC. Mike and George will be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the grid talking about the NFL draft. George brought up a good point right before the break talking about evaluation of these collegiate players and uh, what are we going to do with first rounders next year. I mean, that's an entire show that we can talk about. I'm definitely going to talk about that in the college hour, but George brought it up as a good point in terms of schools looking at prospects for next year. Um, Some guys aren't going to have any film potentially for the next year. Not everybody's going to transfer, right? You have a quarterback like Trey Lance, North Dakota State. They're not playing any championships. Does he have an opportunity to transfer somewhere and play quarterback? Maybe. I mean, there's he's better than some of the quarterbacks that are currently starting in teams. But you're going to upset your team like that right before you're getting set to kick off of the remaining 76 teams at this point that are choosing to play? I don't know. I don't know how many spots are available for him. He's unique, though. There's other guys that aren't Trey Lance that needed the film, George. And to your point about pushing the draft back, you said uh, to me during the break, there is a bylaw that states that it can't be any later than June 2nd, correct? Correct. I mean, so, I mean, listen, maybe the players union will be on board as well. And then they won't mind moving it back to July 2nd, whatever it might be, but that is in the CBA, that it can be moved as far as July 2nd without a negotiation. June 2nd. Yeah, June 2nd, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I also find this. Well, a lot of the GMs were complaining, moaning, and groaning this year. Remember, they all, oh, we, we can't have players come in for a visit. We can't look at them. How are they going to feel about this? 
Now you're directing somebody and you don't know. Like I said, you haven't had film on them in 18 months. Been a while since you've seen these guys play. That'll be interesting. Plus, <coughs> excuse me, one thing we haven't heard, Mike, is there an agreement between the teams of what happens if we don't play a full season this year as far as the draft order? Um, no, I think you're going on win percentage, right? Like if teams are playing different games, right? If different amounts of games, is that what you're you're aiming at? Can't hear you, George. That that's what it would. I mean, are we just going by? It would have to be win percentage because we're by weeks. Not everybody would play the same amount of games. So I want to hear that too. You know, as far as what's the what's the draft order in case we don't play a full season, we don't play, we don't have a Super Bowl champion. We end after week twelve, week thirteen, no playoffs, whatever it might be. We haven't heard that either. I wonder if they've come. I mean, I assume Mike that they've thought about this, that they have no choice but to realize, hey, we may not have a season. We better worry about our draft. Yeah, definitely true. And we see this in college where the Big Ten already has this sort of spring football plan that they've they're rolling out. So they've obviously been working on that contingency plans, which is smart. I don't care that anybody worked on plans to kick off on time or to kick off in the spring or anything else. I don't know how viable it is, but uh, I think pushing the draft back does make some sense. But they're not going to want to do it for more than a couple of weeks to realistically, George. July 2nd, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to get all those guys in, signed ready to go for OTAs if there are OTAs. Push it back at all, Mike, because they're, they they're not going to want to miss May rookie uh, minicamp again like they yeah. did this year, not to miss the June minicamp. You know, so I don't know if they'll, they'll want to push it back at all, but would it be interesting, though, if you have a draft going on, usually it's late April, right, and then, and then you have some college football teams playing? I mean, you're drafting on a Thursday. You find out Saturday, oh, your first-round draft pick tours ACL. I agree. Agree. I think that's why I don't know if the, the college football season can start that late. Even if you do a truncated one of eight games, you're not going to want to play in February. But you got to start it March. Start but, but, the first week in March. Eight weekends in a row. No buys. Done. Then the NFL draft happens the following week. What top play would play? Nobody. You'd be crazy. It's you'd insane. Be, but, it's for the guy, the guys that will play that could get drafted are the ones that needed to yes. play. They need to show something. They need that little bump. They need a little bonus, a little uh, little extra there. But I mean, because another thing that we'd have to worry about. Now I put up a torn ACL, a major injury, but even a minor injury, but one that uh, if you the season ended December or January after a bowl game would have healed by April. Now it won't heal by the draft. It's a minor injury. It could be whatever, a strain, a slight tear, something you had to have surgery on, but you but you can't show the team you're fully healthy. Maybe oh, you'll like be fully healthy in May. Separated that, shoulder or something exactly. like that. It's like something that's going to take four months you know, to to be fully healed, but your team, you the, the you team is going to be looking at you a week after you separated your shoulder. And be like, this looks terrible. Yeah, it does look terrible. I separated my shoulder six days ago because <laughs> I was playing this ridiculous spring season. Anyway. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on. I, I think uh, pushing the draft back, I don't think they'll do it very much, if at all, to George's point. They'll probably listen to the colleges if they come out with legitimate spring plans and can say, fine, you got an extra two weeks, uh, wrap it up before then. Where is because, the draft next year? Uh, it was supposed, it's in Cleveland. Oh. 
Vegas got bumped back like two years, so it's supposed to be in Cleveland in April. Good times. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about wow. let's talk about something. Uh, Shots fired. I mean, it's fine. It's the fine. Rock and been, Roll Hall of Fame, right? I've been at Cleveland. It's it's a, it's fun. Like their whole downtown area, where presumably they would do it, is fun. You have Quicken Loans Arena. They still call it that down there. There's a casino. The uh, uh, Progressive Field. Whatever whatever they call the Indian Stadium. Progressive Field. Progressive. I don't know if it still is. I have no idea what it is now. So that's right there. So it's fun. There's a whole bunch going on down there. Uh, so I, I'd imagine that's what, where they'll have it, even though the Brown Stadium isn't isn't right in the mix. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Cardinals. Stop talking about the Browns. So uh, according to Bob, it's more fun team. Bob McManaman, they're going to be based yes. on this tweet. Bob McManaman, senior sports writer for the Arizona Republic. Cardinals QB Kyler Murray said he thinks it's definite. It's a definite possibility that teammates DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk could all reach 1,000 receiving yards this season. That doesn't happen very often, George. I've been outspoken about Kyler Murray potentially being in the mix for some awards, Offensive Player of the Year. I don't know if he can get a most improved because he was good last year. But in any event, do you see something like that happen? Do you think they will air it out? to the point where he could, we could see numbers like that? Well, first off, if you've drafted in your fantasy league and you've drafted DeAndre Hopkins, you don't want to hear this. No, it's not good. Right. Right. I have done to... this, by the way. That you have. It's Scott Fishbowl, I believe. Tyler uh, and DeAndre. Yeah. I mean, uh, no. it's uh, Larry Fitzgerald hasn't had over 1,000 yards in three years. So I don't know why all of a sudden he's going to pick it up again. Hopkins is going to get, I would think, more than his fair share of targets here. I think uh, Fitz will have a good season. I don't know if he's going uh, he, to have 1,000 yards from the slot. I'm going to say no right there. So, I no, I don't think this is going to happen. I think it's a nice little talking point. Do I think they'll throw the ball more? Sure. Sure. What, to say you're going to have three 1,000-yard receivers? No. I'm not going that far. I'll give it to Hopkins. I mean, like, I, I think you could the over-under at Hopkins at probably 1,350 as far as yardage. But I don't know if either one of the other two get it. You know, and I don't know. I think they'll get this. Over 750 for both, 850. You know, maybe when somebody gets to 900, maybe one could possibly get over 1,000, but not all three. No, I'm not buying that at all. So you said 1350. I'll give you exactly what it is, according to FanDuel. DeAndre Hopkins, regular season total receiving yards, 1,124 and a half. So he's got to get to 1125 to go over. over. Uh, I'm going to take the over there as well. I don't think they have one up here for Fitz. Uh, or Kirk, they're not going that deep yet. They have like 20 guys, a whole bunch of rookies on there. But uh, I have Fitz and Hopkins with Kyler paired with Kyler Murray in that league. It's obviously a different type of scoring. I'm going for the huge upside potentially of an Arizona offense, and I don't mind if the rising tide lifts all boats. Even if uh, on that team, if Hopkins takes a little bit of a hit and Fitzgerald goes over 1,000, that's kind of going to balance out for me. But I still feel pretty pretty good about his over, as you stated, on the receiving yards. Uh, next one is Kyle Newman, who is a sports writer for the Denver Post, talked a little bit about with Ryan O'Halloran, who's somebody that's been on this program, on this network with us, talking about the signing of right tackle DeMar Dotson. He's the Bronco, and who will be the Broncos' number one running back. So... Out of that podcast, George, came the thought process that Melvin Gordon will be the presumed starter in that backfield. But I would ask you how you expect that to shake out. I could care less who takes the first snap of any game. 
What I care about is touches and what any fantasy owner and wager would care about is the number of touches. So how do you see this playing out? They're not going to cast Philip Lindsay to the side, are they? Well, as a fantasy owner, I actually don't care about either one of what you talked about. First thing I care about is who's the goal line guy. That's the first thing I worry about. Then I expect that to be Melvin Gordon. You don't sign into that contract and not play him. Now, that being said, it's not even that I big of a contract, though. No, but still, he's going to play. He, he's the, he's yeah, the guy yeah, yeah. I want first by, by far. But I don't think they're going to forget about Lindsay. I think that'd be silly. Uh, Lindsay can play. Uh, the thing is this. I mean, depending on who you ask, how good a ball catcher is Melvin Gordon? Some people say uh, not so good. Some people say he's okay. And Melvin Gordon himself wants to catch the ball. And he's done some damage at times while catching the ball. But Philip Lindsay is better at it. right? He's, well, I think, a better ball catcher to do more in space out there when catching the ball. I imagine something of this. I think Gordon is your first and second down guy. I think he is your goal line guy. With Lindsay, more of a third down guy. You know, as far as if you want to break them into traditional roles, I'm sure Gordon's going to get some third down roles as well. He will catch some balls, but I think there will be a package for Lindsay and a role for Lindsay. They're not going to forget about him. The man who they're going to forget about is Royce Freeman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's sort of. Minor cut. minor trade fodder, uh, cuttable. I, he's not making a lot of money. It doesn't make sense really to to, to outright cut him. Uh, why not keep him as insurance unless they feel like he's a malcontent, which I haven't heard anything along those lines. NFFC ADP for Melvin Gordon, currently 28th overall, the 15th running back off the board. Philip Lindsay, can I find it? Wow, that's crazy. 39th running back off the board, 101st player in these NFFC drafts. So as far as they're concerned, he does not have a tremendous amount of value. Clearly draftable, an asset, but huge gap between Lindsey and Gordon, according to those players. Yeah, I mean, I have Gordon, same thing, mid-range running back too. I think he'll have some value there. I have him with guys like David Johnson, your favorite player. Uh, Gurley, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Amazing how far Bell has dropped. Even though he's in the best shape of his career, he's going to have a big year, Mike. Didn't you read yeah. him today in yeah, Newsday? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, really excited. Really excited to hear that. Lindsay's not somebody I'm going to be talking in a lot of leagues because I, A, would have to be PPR. That's, the, that's where he's going to get his points from. You're going to need those three, four catches a game to really boost up his points. Yeah, but he does game. do that. He does. I think, I'd be surprised if he doesn't do that. He had 64 catches on the season. That's doable. You know, hopefully uh, maybe gets in the end zone every now and then, because I think you're talking touchdowns three, four on the season, if you're lucky, a little yep. total like that. So I don't think there's a ton of upside here, and that's my issue with Lindsey, unless Gordon gets hurt, of course. Possible. He has been banged up in the uh, in the past. Could happen again here. But I don't like banking on that. So, yeah, Lindsey's pretty far down on my list as well. He's not somebody – he's a guy, oh, Lindsey's there. All right. You know, maybe, maybe if I have Gordon, I want to back up later on. Mm. I'm not a big uh, believer in handcuffs for guys like this, but I might go that direction as well. This whole segment is just banging on my Scott Fishbowl team. Philip Lindsay is one of my running backs there. I sort of went zero RB, though. He's a good zero RB candidate in my mind because there's upside for the reason that you mentioned. doesn't mean he's going to blow the roof off, but he'll have uh, a decent floor for somebody where he's being drafted, a higher floor than perhaps some of the other players being drafted around him. And if Gordon went down, there you go. Gordon does go down time to time. He's getting nicked up a little bit here or there. So maybe you have uh, Ace Philip Lindsay for a month while Gordon is uh, rehabbing an injury. 
Even in Gordon's younger days, he was out quite often. So it was so infuriating about owning him, yeah. about having him on your fantasy team, because once again, he got hurt. So that was a problem from time to time with Melvin Gordon. So that's why I don't mind it. I don't think Gordon plays 16 games this year. So if you want Lindsay, go get him. Great. Coming up next, just an awesome training camp story about the Seattle Seahawks. Mike and George coming back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out this hour of Football Full Circle on the grid. Got a little training camp story here. Uh, as broken by Tom Pelissero here, the Seahawks cut rookie cornerback Kima Siverend this week after he was caught on video trying to sneak a female visitor into the team hotel, per sources. Clear message on the responsibility everyone has in the NFL's COVID-19 world. Put the team at risk, suffer the consequences. The woman was wearing Seahawks gear in an attempt to disguise her as a player, I'm told. It did not work, according to Tom Pelissero. <laughs> a nice uh, sort of deadpan way of describing it. Now, George, what he did was irresponsible. But... It's a pretty amazing story that they it's, tried to dress her up in Seahawks gear. Damn funny. I mean, you and I talked about it before the show. This is something where on a Married with Children episode, it, this story would be cut. Oh, this is too silly. We can't. We can't. Like, come on. Who would believe right. this? And yet it happens here. I want to see what this woman looked like. That by dressing her up in Seahawks uh, gear, she was going to pass for a, uh, a football player. Yeah, I'm like dying. How, how big is she? Right. I mean. Just on size alone, you'd be like, uh, my <laughs> wife put on my clothes and put a hoodie on. You'd be like, no, you guys are very different sizes, right? It's not like we're back in the 70s here where the kicker is 120 pounds and maybe you could, uh, she could pass for a kicker. Even those guys are generally pretty big nowadays. I'm dying. Soccer player. Right, I'm dying to see. Dying to see what she was wearing here. But, uh, I mean, I wonder if the Steelers would have done this if there was a better player. This is an undrafted free agent. You know, he's paid $2,000, uh, and he got caught. He did this. But uh, I wonder if it would have been a more known player. Would Pete Carroll have done this? But this is why the NFL and all, all these sports like, think, oh, yeah, we're going to be able to contain. We'll be able to contain COVID, no problem. We've seen it in baseball, players going, still going out. Mike Clevenger and please sack of the Cleveland Indians both were uh, put on the restricted list from their team, the Cleveland Indians, because they went out last weekend. They have somebody on their team, Carlos Carrasco, who had cancer. Yeah, he's kind of at his plans. They put him at risk, and they didn't care. You think I got to be honest? I thought this was going to happen more. What say it hasn't? We got a long way to go till football season and through football season, particularly in college, where this might happen even more. But uh, I just thought I'd share everybody. Great to share this story with everybody. We need hard knocks. Kima Siverent. Uh, may your NFL career rest in peace. And on behalf of George, Brian Rakowski, thanks for watching this hour uh, Football Full Circle. Catch you next time on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com.